If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey, and this is episode number 32. I want to start by saying that uh, I've taken a little bit of time off. I think the last episode that that we put out for you guys was probably about a month ago, and a couple things happened. Number one, I took an awesome mountain biking trip down to Bentonville, Arkansas, And if you are into biking or mountain biking at any level, I'd highly recommend you make a trip to Bentonville. They've invested in so many trails. It is like mountain bike mecca. It's almost like going to a ski town, but it's a mountain bike town. Super fun. Went with a bunch of buddies. We mountain biked three days all day. And then on the way home, I got sick. And we were flying home and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm getting sick. I feel it. It's the sign of a cold. I know this feeling. What am I going to do? As the day went on, I got sort of sicker and sicker. Never had a fever. But when I got home, I did the smart thing, I guess. And I, I quarantined in a hotel for the first night. And then thankfully, I had a buddy that was also out of town and I stayed at his house, which was empty for three days after that. And during that time, I went and took a COVID test just to be sure because you really can't be sick these days anymore without taking a COVID test. It came back negative. I did not have COVID, but I did have a bad cold for a number of days and uh, that just kind of put me behind and then other business tasks came up and I wasn't able to record another episode of the podcast. So, With that said, I am super excited to have my friend Nick McCann on the show today. If you recall, my two passions personally are e-commerce and changing the way people buy products, and number two, irrigation and irrigation technology, and my goal is to bring you both sides of my interests and my passions to the show. So today, we are going to be talking about the e-commerce side of my passion, and we're going to hear from Nick and his direct-to-consumer business, which is called Mission Meats. I'm sure everyone listening to this has had a Slim Jim in the past, or a meat stick in the past, or has had beef jerky, etc., and Nick started and owns and runs and is a co-founder of an awesome meat stick company called Mission Meats. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited to bring this conversation to you with Nick, and I hope you enjoy this one. My name is Nick McCann, and I'm president and co-founder of Mission Meats, and that means I get to tell Peter Awood what to do. I'm married, I have three small children, and I love making a product that I would feed to my kids. Something that we can grab easily and and, and feed the kids and just know that it's something that's got great ingredients and is good for them. I have a master's degree from Iowa State University in sustainable agriculture, and I know how they're grinding it. I know what the ingredients they're putting in, so I have enough experience in the meat processing industry. When people say this has to be in the stick, this filler has to be here, we know that it doesn't. Nick, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Show, man. So glad to have you on today. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited because uh, as I told my audience sort of at the beginning when I started this podcast, I wanted to have different types of content. And, you know, my passion is 
I have two passions. One is sprinklers in the irrigation industry, and the other one is e-commerce. And my background is sort of equal, right? I've been doing e-commerce for 15 years, and I've been doing sprinklers for 15 years. And so I'm excited to bring you on because you also uh, started, own, and operate a direct-to-consumer company. I do. And so what I'd like to do is have you kind of start with who you are, what you do, and how you got into the Mission Meat business. Yeah. Um, I Well, my name is Nick McCann. Uh, I live in Michigan, a beautiful state, and uh, I sell meat for a living. So um, not, a, not a real complicated thing. You know, somebody asked me what I do. I say, we take big pieces of meat and we turn them into small pieces of meat. Um, it's a, it's not a real complicated industry, but yeah, we sell meat. We sell meat direct to consumer. You mentioned that, you know, you were, you're into e-commerce and we basically are a direct to consumer e-commerce meat business and we sell dried meats. So they're, they're shelf stable meats that are easy to go through the mail. We sell jerkies, beef sticks, beef bars, things like that, kind of in a, in a snack package. So small packages of jerky, small, uh, packages of, of, of sticks or, or, uh, uh, beef bars and, and turkey bars and things like that. We and I'm a consumer. Pork. I keep it in my fridge. I keep it in my cupboard at home. Uh, there is always mission meat around. I, I love that. I, I really appreciate that you, uh, that you, we, we appreciate your business. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I know that your folks with kids like it a lot. You know, we, we have a kid stick and we're selling a lot of those. So, um, yeah, we yeah. go back and forth on, I like the spicy jalapeno and my kids, my son does, but so we keep the traditional around mostly. Okay. That's, that's my favorite as well. So I like the Turkey, Turkey jalapeno too. That's, uh, um, one of my favorites, but, uh, yeah. So, um, can you talk a little bit about, it seems to me that just getting, no one can just get into the meat business. And I know you've got some right. background in sure. the ag and meat industry. So how, how did you get into that side of the business? Well, it's a long story, but I was, I had done, uh, Grew up in Wisconsin and kind of come out of a somewhat of an ag background. My dad's family had some farms and things like that. And uh, I, when I was younger, I was never going to be involved in agriculture or anything like that. It was never even a thought in my mind. But I did some mission work and I ended up being an ag volunteer down in Haiti for a couple of years and uh, did that for a while and um, came back, went to graduate school. And I was getting a master of agriculture and I, with the thought that I was going to go down and do mission work maybe for the rest of my life and, um, accidentally fell into to the business, my, my graduate assistantship. I was actually got both an MBA and, a and a master's degree of agriculture. So I was going to graduate school. I had a, what's called an assistantship where they basically pay you to go to, go to graduate school. Um, it's, they don't pay a lot, but you're getting an education, you're studying full time and you're working part time basically. And I accidentally fell into a project where they were, where we were working with small meat plants, helping them to be more productive. And that's how I got in the meat business originally, you know, and I, I got into the business. I liked the business. I liked the people. I love the industry. And uh, it, it's a very practical industry. And maybe, maybe sprinkler folks will, will and irrigation folks will appreciate that because, you know, the meat business is, is a lot about uh, just practical knowledge and practical, um, you know, you do things you learn by doing as opposed to more theoretical knowledge. And it really, really, I really, really like that. Um, but I fell into this and I just kind of fell in love with the industry. And when you're around meat for, for a while, you know, you just learn how to, you learn how to make things, right? We just start, you know, you, you learn how to make snack sticks, you learn how to make, um, you know, you learn how to break down carcasses, things like that. And uh, yeah. So before you were actually packaging and come up with the plan for mission meat, when you say, Hey, I got into the industry and I was working in the industry, what exactly does someone do in the meat industry? 
all, all kinds of things. I mean, there, there's everything from the tactile, that's called, you know, from actually cutting meat. Um, there's people who are working on the floors, um, you know, working with grinders and things like that. Um, there are folks, you know, big, important, big, big and important part of the meat industry is food safety. So there are people who are food safety type folks who are creating and developing HACCP plans, uh, which is a technical term for just like, make sure that make sure the product that you're making is clean and it has a it is free of bacteria and things like that so there's all there's all kinds of different things that you can get into i worked uh mostly in on the business and in processing side learning how to make things and do things faster so my uh my training and a lot of the work that i ended up doing was working on uh improving processes and making things go faster uh through the system uh so I, the old joke is Hopefully people appreciate this, but kill more animals faster for, for better margins is basically what I did. So um, okay. that's a, you know, so starting out kind of on the slaughter side of things and then moving into um, just got involved in, in snack sticks kind of on accident as well. But uh, so you've got an MBA and a master's in ag. I do, I'm overeducated. I always tell people I'm overeducated, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, dude, I, you know, people sometimes call me the sprinkler nerd, hence the name of the show. So right. is it okay if I call you the meat nerd? I'm the meat nerd. You can call me meat nerd. That's right. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that means you know what you're talking about. And so your product uh, is obviously is a result of you knowing what you're talking about, you know, so that's an awesome background because you came from the field, you came from, you know, the right. industry, you came sure. from the processing. Yep. So can you talk a little bit about where the idea for mission meets came from, you know, originally and how you got it going? Sure. Uh, you know, the original idea I, I had been working when I was working for Iowa state, either in graduate school or a little bit after graduate school, I worked in extension and, um, I had worked with a, with a, with a business that had actually started making snack sticks and they had been uh, fairly successful doing it. And he, the guy eventually sold his business uh, to a larger, a larger business, uh, a very large business that you would, that you would know about. <laughs> and, you know, so he was out of the business. And um, at that time I thought, well, maybe it's time for me to, to, to get into the business because I think that through uh, various vagaries of the market, that, that business had kind of fallen apart and, and did not, did not end up moving forward. So I kind of thought there might be a hole in the market. And uh, there's a couple other guys that I knew who we had all talked about getting into business together. And what ended up happening was Peter and I ended up actually starting the business together. And, um, you know, I, I knew a lot about supply chain on the meat side and, and Peter, my co-founder knew how to do e-commerce. And I always joke with Peter and you, you might appreciate this, Andy, but I was like, Oh, this internet's a thing. Like I had just never dreamed that I could sell meat. It never even had occurred to me that I could sell meat on the internet. I, I it was like, it was like a new world for me. It like completely opened up my, my mind to um did you feel like that was an opportunity like opening the door for opportunity or did you feel like it was something scary that you didn't know about well if i hadn't had peter it would have been scary probably although i'm i'm a bit of an entrepreneur i had started a a a distribution company so i i I had a a bit a little bit of entrepreneurial streak in me It, it wouldn't have stopped me from doing it but having peter you know working with me made it so it wasn't that scary because peter had been selling auto parts on the internet for very, very long. I mean, Peter's been in the direct to consumer internet biz for maybe 20 years. So we kind of got partnered up and I had some of these skill sets on the, on the, on the back end, and he had 
the customer facing skill sets and, mm-hmm. and the rest is history. I mean, we've been doing this for maybe six years now. So, I mean, we're now statistically less likely to fail after we got through <laughs> yeah. the first three years. It's like, Oh, we're statistically less likely to fail as a business now. Right. So does that, does that also apply to a, a sprinkler contractor? If they're in year two, do they just have to make it one more year before they're officially less likely to fail? One more year. I think it's after three years, you're officially less likely to statistically fail, but uh, all right. Um, yeah. So if, um, what year did you sell your first meat stick? I think we sold our first meat stick in two, um, June of 2015. So maybe five years. We're five years in. Um, okay. Almost, yeah, five and a half years. So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, I know that you make meat, but so do 10 or however many companies are out there, you know, making meat sticks. And what I really like is sort of the the mission behind your company, yeah. hence Mission Meat. So tell us a little, little bit about that. Well, a cu- couple things. I mean, so first thing is we give 10% of our profits to, to social good organizations. So anything from, um, it's re- usually things that Peter and I are interested in. So Peter has some nonprofits that he likes to give to up in Minnesota. I'm, I'm still very involved in, in Haiti and livestock production and things like that. We have a goat project down there. So we try to, we try to find social good organizations doing great things, um, in our, in our community or globally. And, uh, we set aside 10% of the profits to, to give to, to give to social good organizations, you know, anything from reforestation in Haiti, livestock in Haiti to, um, working with women's shelters in Minnesota, um, really runs the gamut. Uh, we work with, uh, homeless programs out in California. So that's kind of where the mission behind the mission meets comes from just that, just that idea where we have connections and want to do good in our community. And then the other thing is, you know, on the product side, we're, we're very, um, we, we, we want to be different from your regular Slim Jim. So, you know, Slim Jim is going to have uh, a lot of processed type products. They're not going to actually put real meat in. They're going to put in mechanically separate. Well, it's real meat, but it's mechanically separated chicken. Whereas we're actually using beef trim that comes off steaks grinding it up and actually putting it in a meat, in a meat stick. So, so we, we, we like to set ourselves apart on, on first off the ingredients. We want to be, you know, the best priced, the cleanest product. Uh, and we want it for, to be easy to get really. So we want it to be, um, we really want to win everywhere. Right. So win on price, win on quality, uh, win on convenience. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, that, that's kind of the product mission. And then the mission mission is, is some of that social good type stuff that we try to do. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And without um, starting a 30 minute discussion from the animal is live in the field and it ends up in your package. <laughs> can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about how do you make a meat stick? I yeah. think it'd be fascinating to kind of know a little bit about the process or the big rocks involved in the process. You know, so one of the things that's nice about processed meats or sausages and things like that is anything can be anything can be a meat stick. Um, although for us, Typically, what goes into our meat sticks is we take non-GMO grass-fed beef, and people like grass-fed beef, and consumers like it, and I like it because it's higher in omega threes. It has some health uh, health benefits. It tends to be a leaner product, so if you're not looking for a fatty type beef stick, you get you get more beef in the in the beef stick. Uh, so you know we start with grass-fed beef, um, and it's just basically cuts off its trim from steaks. And that stuff just literally gets ground up. So we grind it up in a big, uh, in a big grind, mixer grinder. And when you say we, where is this? Do you guys have a plant? Do you have a co-packer? We usually use co-packers. I developed the products in, in a meat lab here in town. And uh, there are meat labs Sweet. out there. 
That is super yeah, nerdy. Yeah, actually, we should come down, Andy. I mean, I'll get you to the meat lab. I'll show you how we can actually make meat sticks if you're ever down. Oh, that would be great. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, so so I, I actually, you know, I make these products, but in a big industrial plant at the volumes that we're working, we use co-packers for a lot of our products, and um, it's going to go into a big mixer grinder, which is just this big machine that mixes the spices and the salt and everything that you put in the stick. And then it goes into what's called a VMAG, which is this big sausage stuffer. And it, and it gets put out in these big, long ropes. And these ropes get hung on, on these racks and they go into an oven. And they're cooked for a certain amount of time. And then they come out and they cool. They get down to temperature for food safety reasons. So we bring them down to temperature within a certain amount of time. And then we, we um, move them to a packing line and they go in. They're, they're packed in single serve oxygen, low oxygen packages. So the three big things in meat sticks is you want to have um, a low oxygen pack. That's how it stays fresh. Um, it's, it hits a certain level of acidity and it's dry. So what we, we have what we call water activity, acidity, pH, water activity, pH, and then a low oxygen pack. And those three things combine to give that meat shelf life and keep it fresh for a, for a long period of time. And it's the same thing with jerky. You dry that jerky out, bacteria can't get into it because water is a limiting factor for bacteria growth. It's one of the things, oxygen and water are two limiting factors and that's why jerky can last for a long time. And that's why when you get those little jerky packs, there'll be an oxygen scavenger in there because they want to keep the oxygen out of that package to, to prolong the shelf life. Right, the ones that are not individually packaged, but a, but a bag of- But a bag of jerky, that's right. exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why you see that in a bag of jerky. But in our sticks, we don't have a little oxygen sensor. We just have a, a, a hermetically sealed product, so. Or are those things being uh, tested for before it goes into the package? If you're going to use a process, USDA has to verify it, basically. So if I'm going to say this has 13 months of shelf life and it's safe, you we have research at a university. We'll usually do research and they'll say, yeah, this is safe. You can use this process. So everything typically has to be verified mm -hmm. and, and put into a plan before you actually process it. Okay. Um, Wow. It's, it's not, it's not an accident. The magic is, you know, there's, there's research behind it. Yeah. Well, it kind of seems so easy. You know, someone uh, listening can go right. on to missionmeats.co and they can yep. look at all your product and they can add to cart and it can be there in probably two days and it all seems so easy peasy, yep. you know, yep. and that's the, the consumer front side. I love this looks so easy, man, I should get into the meat business, but <laughs> <laughs> what are the challenges involved with, you know, what you just talked about manufacturing and then you know, e-commerce challenges. One of the things about our products, we make a very, very clean product. And the, a lot of the unpronounceable ingredients that you read about in a Slim Jim, like if you, re, if you read the ingredients in a Slim Jim, you'll be like, oh, I don't even know. I can't even pronounce this stuff. I don't know what it is. A lot of those ingredients are actually in there for a reason. And they do, they kind of help with shelf life or, or I, I don't know if taste is the right word, but certainly it, there's bacteria growth inhibitors and things like that inside that, that product. Because we do an all-natural, more clean product, we have to go a lot slower, and we also have to um, um, have significantly higher quality control processes. So just because more room for error in what you're doing. There's you're more thinking. room for error. That's exactly right. There's a lot more room for error in the type of an, an all-natural product. So that's on the manufacturing side. That's actually a big, big challenge for us. Um, on the business side. I actually love I love the the direct to consumer business because for me 
uh, I, I don't know if there, I mean, there, there's always challenges. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta find customers. Advertising is hard. And I mean, it, it's the e-commerce game. There's, it's not, it's not trivial and it's not easy, but what I like about it is it's not a winner takes all game where, you know, used to be places like Walmart would be the arbiters of what kind of meat sticks got sold on the shelf. It was a race for shelf space, right? You get all the shelf space. You just won the game game over. Yep. Yep. And that's actually how Jack Link's got so big. They would come in and they would buy out all the all their competitors and put their stuff on the shelf. And that turned into a winner takes all game. And I think what e-commerce has done for us, at least, is it's made a business like ours. We're able to be successful now because we just got to find our customers. We got to find our tribe mm-hmm. and hold on to them, serve them great. You know, if you have a problem, Andy, you write in, You're we're going to take care of you. Right. But it's not winner takes all anymore. Mm-hmm. We just have to find enough customers every day and to keep growing and, 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 and really do well for that niche of customers that we have. And that wouldn't have been true in the past. Like there can only be one, there can, it's like Highlander. There can only be one grass fed beef stick in, in Kroger groceries, right? You know, I mean, there's only one, there can only be one and everybody's battling it out, but now there could be 10 or 20. Right. And then you could compete on service and, and kind of those old, style, you know, retail type. Uh, yeah. So, so what is it just to keep numbers um, safe? Let's say that the industry, let's say it's a hundred million dollar industry. And before if it was owned by one company, then one company would be a hundred million dollar size. And maybe today there's a hundred companies that are all a million dollar in size. Right. And, and those players like Jack links, you know, they still dominate. And, and, and the same thing is true with, you know, uh, the slim gyms of the world. And there's some other big, big brands out there. But that being said, there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of smaller folks now too um, that, that, that can compete and be successful mm-hmm. um, doing this kind of thing. So um, maybe not the exact same thing. Everybody's in a little different niche. Maybe it's kosher. Maybe it's whatever. But these things are – this is happening. And I think this is the exciting thing about e-commerce personally. So. Yeah. And with direct-to-consumer, you are you know in touch with your customer, right? There's nobody in between. There's no distributor. There's no retailer. You have direct access to your customer. How does that, how is that beneficial for you? Uh, you get a lot more feedback on what's working. It's not just sitting on a shelf. You're actually getting feedback. People are complaining. <laughs> so maybe that has a challenge. You know, people, people don't like something. They're going to, you're going to hear about it. People are going to squawk. Um, and uh, that's good actually, cause you can solve problems faster. If there's a quality problem, you can, you know, people are going to tell you, it, you know, you know what our beef sticks are supposed to look like. If you have a problem and something's not right, you're going to know about it because this is a repeat customer business. And, um, we're going to hear about it and I can go back right away and start checking batches and, and looking at things and it helps our quality. Mm-hmm. It's actually improved our business uh, tremendously because I think in the past that stick would sit on, sit on a shelf for, you know, a year and then it would get thrown away. Maybe that product was bad or there was a problem with it or the flavor wasn't right. And uh, that manufacturer probably never heard about it. Never, mm-hmm. never understood the communication between the retailer and the, and the manufacturer wasn't there. Yeah. So, uh, so thinking about that, uh, historically, this isn't true for Mission Meads because you guys are a direct to consumer, but traditionally, yeah. uh, in your industry and currently in the sprinkler industry, you know, manufacturers, yeah. um, make a lot of product and it traditionally goes, the distributor stocks up, right? And then yep. it's slowly sold to the consumer over time. Uh, right. the benefit in that model is that the distributor buys in large volume from you. And then they take the risk on certain amounts of inventory. Uh, That's right. In the direct to consumer, 
you know, it's shifted. Now you are back in the inventory risk um, mm -hmm. model. So how do yep. you forecast how much of a certain flavor to make? Oh, this is, well, this is, this is actually, this is a lot of what I do and what helps us make, make, helps us to be successful as a business. We are, um, I always, and I tell our employees, if we don't have a crystal ball and that's not a problem. And, and when I say that, I mean, we don't actually do forecasting. I work in buffers. So I look, I work in lead time and buffers, which is to say, I am looking, uh, I I'm, I'm looking at what the demand was for product. And then I hold enough of that product um, uh, in stock until I can get my replenishment. And depending on how much I sell, that's how much I order for restock. So I'm working for buffers. And, and actually, we had a big run on product during the COVID, you know, a lot of panic buying and all that. And we were able to absorb a lot of that demand. And it actually helped us. So we work in buffers um, in front of the customer. And we don't actually do any forecasting. And we're lucky in that way because we have good partners who will let us make individual flavors in small batches. So what I do is I have big orders, but I, I split them up into smaller batches just because of the way the meat industry works. These products are made in smaller batches. So we can, we can split these products up into small batches and uh, we have a big overall order, but each little, each individual flavor is in that overall order. Got it. So if it was going to be like 500 pounds of meat, you might have um, split it up into 10 different flavors that you're making. Exactly. Exactly. But and of course, we're doing tens of thousands of pounds yeah. and, or whatever for every 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 week or whatever. But 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 yeah, that's basically the 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 principle is I can I can split that up based on demand. And overall, the demand is actually very stable. But uh, within those flavors, it can it, it's crazy if that makes. I mean, the the amount of demand on a day to day, week to week basis could be totally unpredictable, which I'm sure you guys experience in the sprinkler industry. Um, you never know what you're going to sell. Yeah, there, There's some uh, seasonality in the sprinkler industry for sure. sure. sure, sure. Um, sure. COVID has messed some things up this year, you know, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, forecasting is, is definitely can be difficult. Um, yeah. How are you seeing uh, the U S and the market? Do you sell more meat in certain regions of the country? Uh, yeah, we, we tend to, we sent, do we tend to sell on the coasts? quite frankly, because we have an all natural kind of clean product. Um, we do tend to sell a lot of product on the coasts, uh, Texas, Florida, those kind of places. And I'm not sure whether that's just because there's more population in those states and that's where the population centers are, or um, if it has something to do with the cultural differences between East, West, mm -hmm. you know, the coasts and then the Midwest. Although I will say that we have, we've grown a lot in the Midwest as well. Okay. M most of our product will go out to West coast, East coast, um, Texas and mm -hmm. Florida. Now, do you think you would ever have an interest in getting into retail stores? So we are primarily a direct consumer business, but we do sell into retail establishments as well. So we're not a hundred percent direct to consumer, although that's the main th thrust of our business. We actually sell into hotel chains and, you know, we, we sell a little bit to gas stations and things like that where you will see stuff. Okay. So we, we're, we definitely are in those spaces, but, uh, we find that our our competitive advantages or our system is much better suited to to the e-commerce direct to consumer. Yeah, and it's easy for me because I can order you know a pack of ninety six or whatever it is at a time. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And I split yeah. it up between my home and uh, my office, and then personally, I like to keep it in the fridge. I don't know what it is. I just like it. It. 
I just like it kind of cold and crispy is not the right word, but firm, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's my okay. personal preference. So what, um, what's, what's on the horizon? Is there anything you can share to us about, uh, you know, where mission meets might be going in the next year or two with either company or products? Sure. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I can tell you what, what's under discussion now, whether any of those things ever end up happening, you know, we'll, we'll, that remains to be seen, but, uh, you know, we, we will continue to expand our, our product line. Um, there's, we've already kind of identified some gaps. We, we have original jerky, but we don't actually carry a teriyaki right now, which we really should because it's kind of a pretty common flavor. So we really should have like a teriyaki type flavor and maybe some, some, uh, some sweeter flavors. Typically we've always done a no sugar. Our customer likes the no sugar aspect of our, of our product. It's healthier and, you know, lower calorie, um, or at least not empty calorie. I wouldn't say it's lower calorie, but it doesn't have the empty sugar calories. And uh, customers like that for Whole30 or keto and that, those those types of uh, diets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked about you know continue on, on, on continue to expand the line and, and and have more special flavors and continue to release new products and that'll continue to happen at least on the website that will happen. Um, Another thing that we're, we're looking at doing is getting into a little bit more of uh, actually like frozen meats, like steaks and roasts and things like that. So actually shipping that stuff, um, shipping, awesome. shipping frozen to, to customers. Yeah, grass-fed beef or organic beef frozen to customers. And we're, we're already starting to do some experiments with that. And uh, kind of gets me back into the meat cutting side of things, which is always kind of fun. Um, Moving from being a snack company to also being the, you know, the dinner plate at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it remains to be seen whether that's a good idea or not, but I, I do think that there's, there's definitely some opportunities because people are more apt to buy online now. Absolutely. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely, definitely looking hard at that. So yeah. I, I think you'll probably see definitely more flavors, maybe, maybe some, uh, some frozen meat sales as well here moving forward. Yeah. I find that, you know, having the um, meat stick is a great snack uh, during the day, you know, instead of reaching for those uh, bag of crackers, bag of chips, you know, meat stick is, is a great snack. And I think that, you know, especially in the landscape industry, the irrigation industry, guys are out there in the field, you know, most of them or a lot of them bring their lunch, bring their snacks. And I could just see, you know, thinking about the wholesale channel, you know, the supply channel where guys go to get their parts, Uh, Most of them don't have like, um, you know, that Home Depot, you go up to the counter and you've got your snacks and your Coke and your chips and your food. And I'm just thinking, man, there should be a thing of uh, Mission Meat Sticks on the counter for lawn and landscape guys to just grab some and go. Be a great snack during the day. I mean, it's definitely the portability is, I think, the big big draw for it. You know, you can eat it on the run and people are looking for something that's not totally junk food. Yeah, you don't want to be eating Slim Jim every day. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be. Yeah, and you don't want to be. Yeah, you don't want to be eating junk every or chips or whatever. You know, and a lot of a lot of folks like they they don't if they're uh, diabetic or something like that. They they a lot of times diabetic folks really like our sticks too because there's no sugar and they can. It's actually a snack that they can eat. Um, and a lot of stuff is not made for them, so uh, that's also something that uh, people appreciate about. It. Yeah, one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking that I didn't put on our sort of um, outline. What is something that maybe keeps you up at night as it relates to running your business? Because I know that there's a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast. And, you know, what keeps you up at night as a business owner? Ooh, turn up the heat here, Andy. Um, let's see. Uh, 
everything. You're going to say everything. Uh, you know, everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, that's, that's the, the short answer is everything. You know, you know, running your business is a wonderful thing, but you don't always, you don't always have control over every aspect of the business. But I, I would say that um, th- things that I'm worried about now, you know, one big thing is, you know, as this COVID problem has developed, you know, this, this, this epidemic has developed uh, a lot of folks, you know, used to be, at least the meat industry, you know, online sales, you know, it wasn't a huge, wasn't a huge thing. And I think what I'm noticing is lots of people are getting into this space now. So um, I, I think it's going to continue to be, I mean, we, we, we've had a good year and we were here when the COVID thing hit and it was, it was, you know, but I think it's going to continue to get a lot more competitive and we're going to have to continue to improve the business, improve the service platform. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you never, as, as your audience probably knows, you never get to stop. It's always, it's always a new problem. And, you know, you always kind of have to reinvent the business every three to five years. And, uh, that's not, that's not easy to do. Man, that's a great, um, that's a great thought, you know, in any business, um, it can be easy to get comfortable. And as soon as let's say you're comfortable now, all of a sudden you're not watching out for your competitors. And the next thing, you know, your competitors are here. They've listened to the market. They've improved the product, whatever the, the needs are of the consumer. And so I would say that's, you know, I can relate to that, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. Competition. yeah it, it, it's not, it's not easy and you got to continue to be, continue to put your best foot forward and continue to improve the service platform that you're, that you're working on. You know, you just got to continue to do more and you got to do more better at a better price. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, you know, and that's what, I mean, we're, we're business people. That's what we're, we're supposed to do, right? We have to be able to provide better, better services at a lower price. Right. So, and, and just like you um, have that, you know, keep you up at night with competition right now, yeah. you are the new competition for, right. For all the other guys here, you are as new competition. So you're changing, yeah. you're helping change the way people buy meat. So yeah. you're keeping yeah. someone else up at night. That's what I'm saying. But we're, we're keeping other people up at night, you know, and, and think about when we were kids, you know, Walmart was like the thing. And now you've got Amazon. I mean, it's almost, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, it's almost like heartening. You know, it's like nobody can really stay dominant for that long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Wall who? Walmart Who's Walmart? But yeah, well, I mean, I mean, who remembers Sears? I mean, yeah, I mean, I still buy an appliance from Sears maybe, but it's hard to stay, it's hard to stay dominant unless you're continually reinventing yourself. And uh, um, I think it's the same in every industry. So mm-hmm. um it's just it's what makes it exciting. You yeah. Know, so. Yep. And uh, for the, all the sprinkler and landscape guys listening, same thing applies, right? The way sprinklers were sold, installed, and maintained 15 years ago is not necessarily the way it needs or should or could be done today. And so it's always good, just like Nick's saying, is to keep yourself fresh, be looking ahead, be talking to your customers, and be, you know, ready for the whatever stage is coming next in business. Yeah. Good. Well, Nick, thanks so much. This has been a great conversation and i'm a big fan of uh, of the meats i did mention the website missionmeats.co how else can somebody learn about your product uh, or about your you, know, you can go to missionmeats.co that we got a lot of information about the product we're you know we're on amazon like everybody else i guess so we we sell on amazon so you can definitely get it there and uh you can also buy it at thrive market and maybe at a gas station near you someday so <laughs> <laughs> or at some point maybe even an irrigation distributor who knows maybe even an irrigation hey we yeah that'd be great if you are an irrigation distributor reach out to nick maybe he'll set you up with a wholesale account 
yes, we, we could drop ship to any, anywhere and we, we drop ship all over the country. So Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Nick. Thanks so much and uh, keep up the good work with a great product. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Take care. That's a wrap, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Nick from missionmeats.co. I would highly recommend visiting missionmeats.co or checking out their product on Amazon and buying yourself some meat sticks. This is not sponsored. Uh, These meat sticks are just something that both myself and my family enjoy eating, and it's nice to support another small business and help them grow and support them. So check out missionmeats.co. And if you haven't left us a review on iTunes, we would certainly love to hear from you. We'd love to know if this type of content is interesting and if there's uh, other types of content that you would like to hear from in the future, you can reach out on iTunes, leave us a review. We will read each and every one of them. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can email me, andy at sprinklernerd.com or look me up on LinkedIn. That's another great platform to communicate. Uh, And I think that is going to wrap this one up guys. Thanks so much for joining us today and look forward to having you on the next episode. So long.